All right, welcome back to the show. Time for Baldry's Beat. Keith Baldry, Legislative Bureau Chief for Global News. Good morning, Keith. Good morning. Let's start with the COVID crisis in Alberta here wow. now. A dramatic reversal by Huge. Premier Jason Kenney yesterday, uh, declaring a public uh, health emergency in Alberta, bringing in that vaccine passport, which he said he would never do, mm-hmm. apologizing to the people of Alberta. I think this is going to spill over into the federal election. In fact, it already, already has. It already is. But let me play a clip here for you. This is uh, Kenny speaking yesterday, admitting they botched this and apologizing. I know that we had all hoped this summer that uh, we could put COVID behind us once and for all. Uh, that was certainly my hope, and I said so very clearly. Based on our analysis of other jurisdictions around the world with similar rates of vaccination, we believed that we could prudently move away from addressing COVID as a pandemic and towards an endemic. It is now clear that we were wrong. And for that, I apologize. Okay, so he basically said it was over. He said it was me the best summer ever. Didn't work so everybody, this was all predictable. I mean, it was predicted back in when, when he opened up, um, it, it, basically to allow the Calgary stampede to take place. It was criticized at the time. This is way too early. Certainly the case in B.C. was, uh, no, we're not out of this thing by any means. And sure enough, we, uh, we saw our cases start to spike upwards pretty significantly in late July. So this is all predicted. Where Kenny gets his analysis from other jurisdictions is beyond me, because at the time it was pointed out to, to uh, them, there was no jurisdiction really uh, comparable to Alberta situation that uh, supported opening up or dropping all the health restrictions, which is what they did. Well, Alberta is the lowest vaccination rate in the country. There's a big anti-vax element there. There's a lot of opposition to a vaccine passport, mm-hmm. and a lot of them are United Conservative supporters, supporters of his party. So I think he was playing to that base. And oh, there's, a, there's a, politically, he didn't have any other choice. Yeah, there's and there's also members of his caucus, if you recall. Yeah. Uh, there's a huge chunk of his caucus who are anti-vaccine, anti. Uh, vaccine mandates and he's trying to he was trying to placate them back in july or, or late june when they wanted to open up for the calgary stampede that was the, the big you know uh symbolism of uh, sure. opening up the summer and they yeah. got it wrong okay uh here is jason kenny let's go back to some of the stuff that he said here over the past couple of months and here is jason kenny talking about vaccine passports and how he was dead set against them we have no capacity to, I don't even know what a vaccine passport is. All I know is this, that it's illegal based on the Privacy Act to ask somebody whether they've received a certain medical procedure or not, including a a vaccine. So uh, the government of Alberta at least will not be participating in anything like that. Uh, We have no capacity to, I don't even know what a vaccine passport is. Okay, we just heard that, okay. Yeah, Uh, well, you know, we ruled out vaccine passports uh, some months ago, if you recall, back in May. Well, Bonnie Henry yep. said that she was against it, too. Yep, yep. and circumstances but, changed. So but I, then I mean, she changed. Yep, and uh, so I'm not really going to condemn Jason Kenney for flip-flopping on a vaccine passport, because science does change, uh, rules do, do, do change. Where I think he got it wrong, though, uh, and where many people got it wrong in Alberta, was relaxing all those restrictions and dumping them. Quite apart from a vaccine passport, which was, again, evolving over time, it was just dropping all the restrictions, and they're paying a heavy pressure. Now, they're going to get overwhelmed in that in their ICUs and hospitals, which is uh, a terrifying prospect. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that Bonnie Henry had been opposed to a vaccine passport as well, but she has shown the, the willingness to change her position based on the changing circumstances. Changed, our, the, mask the, the virus. Changed. Yeah. our mask policy was the first thing to change, if you right. recall. Uh, the vaccine passport has changed. Other measures have changed as well. We're constantly evolving and adapting and trying to keep this virus at bay. But still, there, there's three pillars to BC's approach 
Uh, one is the first and foremost, prevent death and severe illness as much as possible. Uh, two is to um, have minimal disruption in, uh, in, in society. Those uh, are the two big ones. Those are the, those are the uh, two big ones, and you have to sort of balance this uh, off as much as you can. The thing with Kenny is that faced with the changing circumstances and the threat of this Delta variant, he stubbornly refused to bend and, until yesterday. And in fact, he was basically mocking anyone mm -hmm. who was daring to suggest that he was doing the wrong thing. Now, let me play this clip here for you. Here he is sort of jousting with the, the press, and you'll hear, him, you'll hear him say, just basically mocking predictions that Alberta is in trouble here. Have a listen. Here's Jason Kenney. At this stage of this, I, I don't think it's responsible constantly to be spreading fear. I've heard about CTV reports uh, about, uh, you know, that we should, we're headed into the fourth wave, and, and some person on Twitter with their projections that the, we're going to be awash in, in, in Delta cases, forcing people into the hospitals. Yeah, somebody on Twitter <laughs> apparently was uh, correct, yeah. and, and he was wrong. Yeah, I mean, to be fair to Kenny, there are these modeling projections that often have worst-case scenarios that don't pan out. And we've seen modeling like that in BC that just haven't... You know, people were suggesting we we're going to get, you know, uh, hundreds of people in ICUs. And that's not happened. But it, what has happened, there has been an upward trajectory of COVID-19, hospitalizations, ICU cases. And that has happened. Maybe not it happened as much as some of the models predict, but it, the, the everything was predicting this was going to go up. And Jason Kenney just refused to buy into that. Okay, let's talk about how this could impact the federal election right now. And I, I think it did a, this morning. It did. And I want to play a clip here of Aaron O'Toole, who got who got grilled like a like a hamburger here at a press conference a short time ago about this because mm -hmm. he had earlier come out and praised Jason Kenney's management mm -hmm. uh, of the pandemic. In fact. Uh, let's listen to that. So this is Aaron O'Toole uh, formally giving Kenny a big pat on the back here. Have a listen. Premier Kenny has navigated this COVID-19 pandemic far better than the federal government has. And when it comes to getting our country back on track, the federal conservatives can learn a lot from our UCP cousins. Okay, our UCP is the United Conservative Party, Jason Kenney's party. Now listen to this. Here's O'Toole getting grilled here a short time ago about his previous support of Kennedy's pandemic management. Have a listen. As Prime Minister, I will work with all premiers, regardless of strike, to fight against the pandemic. A pandemic that we need to fight. And Mr. Trudeau didn't fight. He called an election, a $600 million election. He stopped the briefings from Dr. Tam and tried to actually use health to divide Canadians. I will work with everyone to fight COVID-19 and to secure our economic recovery. And Canadians are tired of Mr. Trudeau constantly putting himself first. Okay, so the question was about his previous support of Jason Kenney's management of the, the pandemic. The, the, the turns it back to Trudeau. The questions were more revealing than the answers yeah. at that news conference. Reporters repeatedly asked him about Jason Kenney's uh, response and his backing of Kenney. He refused right. to answer any of those questions. They cut reporters' microphones off. Uh, this could be a turning point of the campaign. Uh, O'Toole seems to be, as he gets near the goal line, he may have fumbled the ball. And this is going to continue in the in the days forward. This is not a one-day event in terms of, you know, I've been on campaigns, you've been on campaigns. Reporters get shut down in a news conference like that today. It doesn't mean that that issue goes away. That issue is going to come up again at the next media availability. And he's going to, if he doesn't answer the questions, it's just going to be a festering sore. Yeah, and I think it's kind of a double whammy for O'Toole in some ways because he's going to be the meat in the sandwich here because you've got, 
Trudeau is going to dine out on this thing in the last oh, yeah. few days of the campaign. But on the other side, you've got Maxime Bernier in the People's Party of Canada, mm-hmm. who is feeding into the anger in Alberta, the people who are opposed to a vaccine passport, which Kenny's bringing in now, and saying, uh, Bernier is saying, I'm going to spend the last few days campaigning in Alberta. So the Conservatives could well, lose some votes to the uh, People's Party, too. Yeah, they could lose votes in Alberta, but it's interesting. The People's Party is also running candidates in, in some critical B.C. writings. They're running a candidate in Port Moody, uh, which yeah. is held by the Conservatives by only a h- couple hundred votes last time. If there's a bleed-off of just a couple hundred voters in, in Port Moody, Coquitlam, to the People's Party, that would deny the Conservatives a re-election. There. The incumbent always has a bit of an advantage, but the People's Party could play a role uh, on the edges, on the fringes, not winning any seats or even remotely having a chance of winning seats, but they bleed off a few hundred votes from the Conservatives, and that could be the difference in some running. Okay, let me ask you real quickly about the new names of the vaccines. I, I oh, can't, no. I can't believe they're doing this. This is <laughs> this is ridiculous. So the Pfizer vaccine, the new name Comer- for the N- Pfizer is Comirnaty. Yeah. The Moderna vaccine's new name is Spikevax, <laughs> and the new name of the AstraZeneca vaccine is. Vaxavria. Yeah, so I'm a va- I'm an AstraZeneca <laughs> person, so it sounds like I'm now part of a out of a Balkan country. Uh, Vaxavria. Vaxavria. Yeah. Um, yeah. At least they didn't call one a, a you know commoner Stan or something like that. So yeah, why they came up with these names at this point at this juncture in the pandemic is beyond me. They're hard to pronounce. People have gotten used to Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca. It can roll off your tongue, and now you have to learn all these. Ones. Yeah, I'm not. I refuse to use these names. <laughs> I will not be calling no. it the Comirnaty. Com- Comirnaty. Hey, did you get the Vaxavria? No, I'm. I'm not doing it. I'm sticking with the original names. Let's open the phone Spike lines. Vax, though, is pretty Sp- pretty catching. Spike Vax. Spike Vax. Okay. All right. Welcome back, Baldry's Beat. Let's go right to your phone calls, John and Delta. Hi, John. It just feels like the only way people learn is by learning the hard way. And at this point, if the CCP is going to uh, get all over Alberta, they're going to be effectively campaigning for Trudeau, uh, which, yeah, if, if Aaron O'Toole uh, it gets put into this sandwich, uh, is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, I know of no more compelling uh, examples of, of why this uh, has to be taken seriously than the Herman Cain Awards on Reddit. Uh, that's all. Thanks for their, uh, taking my call. Okay, thank you. I mean, the situation in Alberta with the ICU beds is the most stark measurement. Dire situation. So they're starting to uh, mirror what's going on in a number of American states when it comes to ICUs. Idaho, for example, frantically telling Washington State, we need to send you uh, some patients because we don't have enough ICU beds. We're seeing this happen. The triage that's going on in American states, particularly in the South, where literally they have to decide who's going to live and who's going to die because they have so many people in ICU. Uh, this this virus can take over so quickly. Yeah. Um, thankfully, we have high vaccination rates, which is which is keeping it at bay at at, uh, at some level. But Alberta has a lower vaccination rate, and yeah. all it takes the difference between seventy five percent and eighty percent or eighty five percent vaccination rate is huge uh, in, in terms of number of cases of infections, hospitalizations, and ICUs. The numbers can be staggeringly high. And again, a reminder to everyone out there, it's this is not an age-based thing. Dr. Teresa Tam today talking about young people now going to ICU. Mm-hmm. Yesterday in BC, we had seven people die. One person was in their 20s. Just wow. a reminder, no one is immune from this. Okay, Keith in Kelowna. Hi. Hi there. Hi, go ahead. Yes, yeah, so I was thinking um, anyone that was able to be vaccinated but are not doing it because of whatever reasons other than a medical reason, they should be signing a do not resuscitate order. 
So when they get in the hospital, they say, I don't want this. To, I don't want life-saving measures on me because I didn't take this. Well, they're not going to say that. If they get no. sick, they're going to be pleading for help in, in mind, the hospital. We, we don't refuse treatment to heavy smokers. We don't refuse treatment who to drunk drivers who get injured in car accidents. Well, nor should we're, we. We're, nor should we. We're never going to do that. Right. I mean, I talked to Adrian Dix about this on the show earlier this week, and, and he said he made that point, too. He goes, look, people show up, they're, they're sick from COVID, they haven't been vaccinated, they're not going to be judged, they're not no. going to be turned away, no. they're going to get the best medical now, treatment what, in the world. What can happen, though, and as I just mentioned, what's happening in the States, where they're being overwhelmed, you show up with COVID and you're not vaccinated, you may not be treated in some states because you go back, you basically go into the queue, and you're at the back of the queue, right. not at the front. Kel in Ladner, hi. Hello. Uh, great show. Um, my main concern right now is I just got off the phone yesterday with Fraser Health, and they said that my QR number and my vaccination card with both doses of uh, the jab uh, are useless because they don't have picture ID. Well, no, you're, you're, you don't have picture ID with your vaccination card, but you are required to show... Uh, uh, photo ID with your vaccination card. So you, you do you have photo ID? No, I don't. Okay. This is well, this th- what this is my point is that not everybody in this country has photo ID. It's not required by law. No. And not everybody has uh, access to the internet. Yeah, no, that's that's a legitimate point. Very few people fall in that category. Most people have photo ID, but you're that is hey. an interesting point. You are correct. Uh, if you don't have photo ID, you may be uh, refused service in a restaurant. Okay, Cal, send me an email, mike at cknw.com, and I'll see if I can that's help you That's why people out. under 18 are exempt from the photo ID requirement, because a lot of uh, high school kids don't have photo ID. No, I mean, not everybody's got a driver's license. No. Right. John in Vancouver, hi. Good morning, guys. Great show. Um, I'm not a, I'm, uh, I voted conservative, uh, not a fan of Kenny's. And Kenny just just took victory, defeat from the jaws of victory if it was going to happen for American O'Toole. He just mm-hmm. took well, it. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, you know, this is certainly not good for O'Toole. You could see him no. really squirming there this morning at that news conference. If this is the issue that dogs O'Toole for the, in the dying days of the campaign, and not good. It was already seemed that the conservatives were running out of gas here. They seemed to have stalled. And now this is making what seemed to be a bad situation much worse. You can also, you can already imagine like a liberal attack ad where they take that video of O'Toole saying, Kenny's doing a great job. We should do the same mm-hmm. thing at the federal level that Kenny's doing and turn that into Tr- a attack has got to be careful attacking Kenny, though. A prime minister attacking a premier has uh, got some risk to it. Uh, John in Vancouver. Or, sorry, Diane in Surrey. Hi, I was just going to compare the Alberta response to the BC response. And the difference clearly is in Alberta, it was led by the government. Their decisions have been based, you know, led by Kenny in politics and not mm-hmm. scientific. And in BC, we've had a public health office led response science-based, and importantly, and I I wanted to say this for a long time, that our government clearly respects Dr. Henry and her office. And that's, you know, Minister Dix and Horgan, they clearly like her, they clearly respect her, and she's been leading Mm -hmm. the response, and that's why 
Alberta and a few other provinces have been in bigger messes. They've been thank you, thank you, Di- thank you, Diane. Ten seconds. Well, very good point. Uh, I repeated this before at the very beginning of the pandemic in March 2020. I was in John Horgan's office and he told me, "I'm not going to be the one leading this. I'm not the face of this. It's going to be Dr. Henry." That's a sharp contrast to Jason Kenney's approach.